Hello and welcome back to Hungry for History. I hope you're really starving today because we're going to be talking about one of my favorite periods of history of all time. We're going to Tudor England today and we're going to be talking about one of the most infamous monarchs in all of history. This is the story of Henry VIII. Henry VIII was King of England from 1509 to 1547, but he actually wasn't born the heir to the throne. Henry had an older brother named Arthur, and Arthur was the crown prince. Henry VII, their father, and the King of England, tried to find a great wife for Arthur so that he would have a strong and powerful queen who came from a wealthy family. And he did. Arthur married a woman named Catherine of Aragon. She was the daughter of two of the most powerful monarchs in Europe at the time, Ferdinand and Isabella of Spain. You may have heard of them because they're the guys who sent Columbus over to the Americas. They also did a lot of really evil stuff, and I think it would be really interesting to talk about that in another episode sometime. History remembers them quite fondly, and personally, I think that's wrong. So anyway, Arthur marries Catherine. It's going well but there's a slight issue that throws a bit of a wrench in their marriage. Arthur actually died. Um, after only four months of being married, Arthur totally kicked the bucket, and Henry, his younger brother, suddenly became the crown prince and the heir to the throne. Henry VII still thought that Catherine of Aragon would be a good match for the prince, so he told his son Henry to marry her. And Henry thought that was super gross. He was like, nah, dude, I don't want my brother's sloppy seconds. Plus, she's older than me. But then Henry VII, King of England, also died. So suddenly Henry is now Henry VIII, and he's the king um, at a young age. And so he realized that his father was right. Catherine was a smart match. So he married her, and she became his queen. Now, like his father, Henry really wanted what we call an heir and a spare. He wanted to have multiple sons so that even if some of them died young like Arthur, there would be somebody to carry on the Tudor line and inherit the throne. So he and Catherine got very busy and started trying for a baby. But childbirth and pregnancy are really, really difficult in the 16th century England. And Catherine really struggled. She had a lot of miscarriages they did have a son once who survived, but he died after only a few weeks. So Henry was ecstatic when she finally had a healthy pregnancy and gave birth to a surviving child. The only issue is that that surviving child was a daughter. Yeah, women back then were considered pretty useless. You could marry them off to another rich, powerful family and make an alliance for yourself, but Henry didn't want to pass the throne on to a daughter. There was no precedent for that for a woman ruling in her own right in all of English history at this period. So after many years of failed pregnancies, Catherine was pushing 40, which is basically ancient in the 16th century, and Henry still didn't have a son. He was getting pretty fed up with Catherine, and he'd been sleeping around and cheating on her since the beginning of their marriage. So he took a look at his hot mistresses and decided that he would have a better chance of getting a son if he married one of them. Henry set his eye on a woman named Anne Boleyn, who was beautiful, a lot younger than Catherine, and who he really liked. He was also sleeping with her sister Mary, but, you know, don't worry about that part. Anyway, Henry wanted to divorce Catherine and marry Anne so that he could keep trying for a son. There is one slight issue with that, though. At this point in history, England, like much of the European world, 
was very Catholic. Catherine, coming from Spain, was super Catholic, and Henry had been brought up in the church as well. So to divorce, which is not really allowed in the Catholic tradition, you needed the Pope's permission. So Henry wrote to the Pope, and he said, Can I please get divorced to my wife? I don't really have a great reason, I guess because my brother had her first. And the Pope didn't put much stock in that, and he kept saying no. So Henry thought about that for a while, and he eventually came to the conclusion of, Screw the Pope. I'm the king. I can do whatever the heck I want. I have divine power. I have divine right. I can make a new church. And that's what he did. Henry created the Church of England, which is now called Anglicanism or Episcopalianism, just to divorce Catherine, which was fine. I mean, it worked. He did divorce her and he married Anne. But creating an entirely new church in a Catholic-dominant world has a lot of side effects. Only a few years before Henry did this, Martin Luther had posted his 95 theses in Germany and started Lutheranism, and Lutheranism was spreading all over Eastern Europe. A few years after that, this guy with a huge stick up his butt named John Calvin had started spreading an even stricter form of Protestantism called Calvinism across France. And now Henry has created a third branch of Protestant Christianity. He didn't do it to be rebellious necessarily, he just wanted to divorce Catherine. But it had a lot of unintended side effects, and I'll talk about those later. Anyway, it worked. Catherine's out. Catherine went back to Spain, taking Mary with her, and Henry married Anne. And after a couple of miscarriages as well, Anne also gave birth to a healthy, surviving child. However, once again, unfortunately, the child was a daughter. This was Elizabeth. And Henry was starting to get really pissed off. The problem with Anne, not just that she hadn't given him a son yet, was that she also happened to be intelligent and willing to speak her mind. And those were qualities Henry really hated in a woman. She pissed him off all the time. So rather than just divorce Anne, which, you know, would have been boring, Henry decided to accuse her of adultery. Cheating on the king was considered treason. So not only was he accusing her of sleeping around, he was also accusing her of undermining the throne. He went in a little further and threw in charges of incest and witchcraft, uh, just to make sure he totally demolished what was remaining of her reputation before she died. And so in 1536, Anne Boleyn was beheaded for treason, witchcraft, adultery, all that good stuff. Fortunately, Henry didn't have to remain unmarried for very long because he'd already set his sights on another one of his many mistresses. Her name was Jane Seymour, and actually, Henry really loved her. Historians think that Jane Seymour was the only woman that Henry actually ever loved. So he married Jane, he was very happy, and Jane also gave birth to a surviving child. And this time, it was a son. Henry finally had the heir that he wanted. His son was born, and he named him Edward. Edward's pregnancy and childbirth, though, had been really hard on Jane. And so only 12 days after Edward was born, Jane died. At this point, Henry had his heir, and he just lost the love of his life. So he wasn't actually in a rush to marry again, believe it or not. But, again, he just created this brand new church, and he was sort of worried about the prospect of religious war breaking out. The Pope was stewing in Italy, super pissed off about everything that was going on. 
and Henry wanted to make sure that he had military might on his side in case a war between Protestants and Catholics ever started. So his advisors helped him find his next bride. Her name was Anne of Cleves, and the reason that she was so attractive as a wife was because her brother had this huge army, and Henry figured that if it came down to a religious war, he could count on Anne of Cleves' brother's support. So he married her. But she wasn't really hot enough for him, he decided. And the marriage didn't last very long at all. It lasted only a few months. So Henry decided that Anne was not hot stuff enough for him. And he'd already set his sights, after only a couple of days of marriage practically, on another mistress. She was young. In fact, she was very young. She was a teenager, 17 years old. And she was beautiful. And she was dumb as rocks, which is exactly what Henry was looking for in a wife. Her name was also Catherine. Her name was Catherine Howard. So Henry wanted to marry Catherine Howard instead of Anne. Now, fortunately, jumping from woman to woman was exactly why he'd created this meddlesome church in the first place. So Henry dropped Anne immediately and remarried to Catherine within the same calendar year. Now, there was another issue with Catherine, which was that she actually did cheat on him. Catherine cheated on him with a guy named Thomas Culpepper, which is a totally absurd name, but that's real. That's what he was actually called. And she was dumb enough to fess up to it. So, of course, she was beheaded for treason and adultery. Henry was really pissed off. And that was, again, within a year and a half of him marrying her. So now at this point, Henry had gone through five wives. And he wasn't done. He married one more woman. This time, he chose his wife not necessarily because she was hot or because he thought she could give him a son or because she had an army. This time, he married for money. When you're king and you're bored, you do a lot of war, and war gets expensive. So Henry was sort of verging on broke and wanted a smart match that had a lot of money. So he found Catherine Parr, yes, that's Catherine number three, who was a rich widow. Now, you might be thinking, if you were Catherine... Looking at Henry's past, he'd gone through five wives. Three of them had died while married to him, and his last three marriages had each lasted less than two years. So you would think that Catherine Parr, which was his sixth wife, must have thought that her prospects weren't that great. However, the reason Catherine was so filthy rich was because she'd already outlived two totally loaded husbands and inherited all of their money. So she was batting a thousand at this point, and so she must have thought that her chances were actually pretty good. Henry was old. I mean, he was in his 50s, but that's ancient in the 16th century. And he was sick. He was covered in, like, gross boils. He had gout. He was obese. He was, like, rotting from the inside out. This man must have been rank. I'm sure the women in the court were just lining up to fall over him. So anyway, Catherine thought her chances were pretty good that she would outlive him, and she was right. Henry finally died in 1547, and Catherine Parr, his sixth and final wife, and third Catherine, survived him. Now, on Henry's death, his son Edward acceded to the throne. Edward was only nine years old when Henry died. Uh, if you do the math real quick and you remember that Edward was born to Jane Seymour, Henry's third wife, you'll see just how fast Henry went through some of these women. So Edward became king, and everything was fine. The issue, though, was that Edward's bad childbirth, which had killed his mother, had left him sick and fragile 
for all of his childhood. So when he became king at age nine, he wasn't super healthy. He also wasn't old enough to marry and produce heirs yet. By the time Edward was old enough to marry and produce heirs, when he was 15, he had contracted tuberculosis and died not too long after his 15th birthday. So Edward kicked the bucket childless after only six years. This caused a small secession crisis because the only potential heirs were women. Edward had two older sisters from Henry's first two wives, and also this random cousin named Lady Jane Grey. And this succession crisis was short-lived and also very complicated, um, and I'm not going to go into the details right now. Just know that they tried to put Jane Grey on the throne for a hot second for some reason, but Mary, Edward's oldest sister, was going to have none of that and showed up in England and claimed the throne just as she'd been planning to do the second her brother started coughing. So not too long after Edward died, his sister Mary became queen. Now, one note about Mary. You might remember that Mary was the daughter of Henry and Catherine of Aragon, so she was born during his first marriage. So Mary was born when England was still Catholic. Both of her parents were Catholic at the time. And when Henry divorced her mother, Catherine went back to Spain, which was super Catholic, to stay with her super Catholic parents, Mary's grandparents, and raised Mary to be so Catholic. And remember when I said that Catherine of Aragon's parents, Ferdinand and Isabella, did a lot of evil stuff? One of the evil things that they did was murder a lot of people for being Protestant. And they passed this on to their granddaughter. When Mary became queen of the now Protestant for decades England, she tried to undo all of the religious reforms that Henry VIII had done and that her brother Edward, Edward VI, had continued. She brought with her to England her very Catholic husband, who was named Philip II, he was called Philip the Prudent, which I think is just another way of saying Philip the Boring. And she brought him to England and started massacring Protestants and executing them for being Protestant. Fortunately, just like Edward, Mary didn't live very long. She murdered a few hundred people, which is why she's called Bloody Mary. And then, thank God, she died. She'd also ruled for about five years, and she left childless. So finally, the throne passed to her younger sister, Elizabeth, who became Elizabeth I, the daughter of Anne Boleyn and Henry VIII. Under Elizabeth, England prospered. Elizabeth ruled for 45 years, and while she was queen, England reached some of the heights in all of its history of artistic expression, wealth, power, military might, and so much more. For example, Shakespeare wrote during the time of Elizabeth I, and England began to expand and colonize, which, you know, we now look back on as not a great thing, but in the time was a sign of great power during this period. Elizabeth I never married. She's called the Virgin Queen by historians. Actually, uh, we don't actually think she was really a virgin. I think she got up to whatever she wanted to at court. But the point is that she never married and she never had any children. She had hundreds of marriage prospects over the 45 years she was queen, because she was ruling in her own right, any man who married her would have married into a massive amount of power and wealth. But she was smart enough to never marry and hold on to her power for herself. Now, one of the guys who really wanted her to marry him was Philip II. You guys remember him? Philip the Boring, widowered husband of Mary I, ringing a bell? Yeah, that guy. So he still sucked. Um, and when Elizabeth 
turned him down for the bajillionth time. He did the calm and rational thing, as any man would, and assembled a massive fleet of ships and sailed to attack England. This is called the Spanish Armada. And so in 1588, Philip sent the entirety of Spain's naval might to attack England. Fortunately for Elizabeth, Philip was an idiot and didn't do a great job of planning this or commanding it. And the Spanish Armada sank and was basically entirely destroyed by the time it reached England. So England never had to fight. And Spain, which had been the dominant naval power in the entire world up until that point, controlling piracy, expansion, colonization, no longer had any naval might. And England, after 1588, became the most powerful navy in the world and controlled the seas unchallenged until World War I. So anyway, after a long and prosperous reign with lots of transformation for England, Elizabeth died in 1603. And when she died, she, like her siblings, left no children. So after her death, the throne passed to her cousin. His name was James. He was James VI, King of Scotland. And when he ascended to the English throne, he also became James I, King of England. He was the son of Mary, Queen of Scots. There's a Netflix show about her. If you want to watch it, I'll put it on my website. And James became king of both England and Scotland. Now, here's an issue with that. Remember how Henry created that whole church and turned England Protestant? Yeah, I should have mentioned this earlier. When Elizabeth took the throne after Mary died, she reverted England back to its Protestantism and everybody was fine. Now, when James ascended to the throne, he came from Scotland, which was pretty Catholic still. James was Catholic. Fortunately for the English, James was okay with England remaining Protestant, even though Scotland, Wales, and Ireland were all still majority Catholic. But Henry VIII's creation of this new church led to centuries of bloodshed. I'm talking border skirmishes, massacre, murder, over really, really bitter hatred between Catholics and Protestants in Great Britain. Much of this has been resolved, but to this day, there is still tension between the Catholic and non-Catholic parts of Great Britain and Ireland. Over the course of history, a lot of lives were lost because of the way Henry created his church. The moral of this story, then, is it's probably not worth it to create an entirely new religion just to divorce your wife. An extra moral, I guess, is that women are valuable and can be great queens and that daughters aren't useless. Hopefully, though, everybody listening to this podcast already knew that. Thank you so much for joining me today on Hungry for History. This episode is sponsored by absolutely nobody. I just sit in my apartment making these. So if you know anybody who is sitting on huge piles of money and wants to throw it at stuff, send them over to my website. And speaking of throwing huge piles of money at stuff, I have a new website. So forget the URL I said in the last episode. If you want to send this podcast to your grandma or your history teacher or your neighbor, go to hungryforhistory.net which is also where you will find all of my bonus information. I've included some fun stuff on there related to Tudor England, like a musical and some TV shows to check out. So head over to the website, and you can send me a message there as well to tell me what you'd like to hear about in the next episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.